I want to change the sport. I want to bring more vegans into the sport of bodybuilding. And I want to take more bodybuilders and convince them to go vegan. I know that there are inherent risks to what I do. From an ethical standpoint, I'm always vegan first, but from loving bodybuilding and loving my fellow competitors, I'd like to get them more on the plant-based side because I think it'll keep them alive longer. Hey everyone, this is Ryan from Athix Fitness, and you are listening to season two of the Athix Approach podcast, the podcast where we highlight inspirational vegan athletes and what they do to absolutely kill it on a plant-based diet. If you haven't already, it would really help out if you subscribed to, liked, commented, and or shared any of the content I'm producing, including this podcast, Athix Coaching Services, articles and training programs available on athixfitness.com, videos on YouTube, and more. Links for those will be in the description, and I truly appreciate everyone listening for all of the continued love and support. In this episode, I'm joined by vegan competitive bodybuilder and coach, John Thomas, aka The Bodybuilding Vegan on Instagram. John was nice enough to take the time to come onto the podcast just several weeks out from competition, which for any of you who have dieted super hard before know, is a brutal period that often consists of low energy and brain fog. That being said, I have to say that it wasn't obvious with John at all, as he got into some absolutely amazing points in this chat, and I was feeling fired up and motivated right after. We get into John's history and what inspired him to go vegetarian and vegan at a young age, how bullying can affect children years down the road, what drew him to pursuing bodybuilding, his experiences with building muscle on a plant-based diet, and coaching other vegan lifters, why more high-level bodybuilders should consider eating plant-based, government subsidies for the animal agriculture industry, and a slew of other amazing content. John is currently aiming to become the first ever vegan IFBB pro in the men's open bodybuilding category and pave the way for a future of vegan competitors. He can be found on Instagram at thebodybuildingvegan and for his coaching and more content, check out thebodybuildingvegan.com. I think you'll find this episode as inspirational as I did. And thanks so much again to John for taking the time to come on and chat. Now, without further ado, on with the show. What's up, guys? This is Ryan with the Athics Approach Podcast. Today, I'm here with John, aka the Bodybuilding Vegan. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, good to be on here, brother. Um, I'm about five weeks out from prep, so or from my show. So yeah, if I misstate some things <laughs> or uh, seem a little brain dead. We're pushing. We're digging right now. So um, I'm going to give you guys my best. And my best may or may not be my all-time best, but it'll be my best for today. So, yeah, I'm happy to be on. Happy to share. Happy to educate and hopefully inspire some people on their journey. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah, I can, uh, I, I've been seeing your photos. You're getting real shredded, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to feel it. Um, we're, <laughs> as of this week, we're really digging. So, like, this is coming from a guy that would, if you told me calories don't matter i'd probably eat ten thousand calories a day in my bulk so i get up to six thousand a day uh on my training days right now i'm at 2600 on my off days i'm at 2200 doing about 80 minutes of cardio a day so we are pulling hard but i truly believe this is going to be at least on the npc side one of the best vegan physiques ever brought to stage for men's bodybuilding so dude yes i'm I'm really excited for that. Like even like outside of myself, like it's cool to do this for me, but to prove, like I just talked to a guy today 
and he's like, holy shit, I didn't realize. And this is a competitor. He's like, I didn't realize you could do that as a vegan. You're like all vegan. Like you don't eat anything from it. You don't eat fish. I'm like, nah. And I'm like, I just changed one guy's mind. He's like, dang, I yep. have to look into this. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're digging. So yeah. Yeah, dude. Just want to, yeah. Even, even want to say thank you even more for the fact that you, uh, you're coming on right now. Cause I, I know like, you know, that diet fatigue, uh, I'm sure, like you said, it's starting to set in. So, uh, yeah, really do appreciate it. Um, real quick, John, just to kind of get started here. Uh, do you want to do like a quick uh, elevator pitch, kind of introduce who you are, what, you know, what, what you do, what kind of business you have, things like that? Yeah. So I'm the bodybuilding vegan, but it didn't always start like that. I was, uh, okay. A little kid that got bullied a lot in school. I ended up becoming vegetarian at 10 and then vegan at 13. Uh, didn't find lifting until a couple years later. So all the muscle that you see, that was all built from plants. It wasn't from any meat at any point in time. Uh, I'm 31 now, so I've been vegan 17, going on 18 years. Um, really, my, my passions are combining veganism and bodybuilding. Uh, they, I had a, a little trip a while ago and on this trip i had this realization that bodybuilding in and of itself is kind of stupid we just pick up these weights put them right back where we got them from we get on this treadmill or this bike and work our ass off and we get nowhere um but what are you doing with it and so for me to be able to show that i am vegan and you can build muscle as a vegan you can be healthy as a vegan um that's why i'm doing this is to to spread veganism through my my body as as the activism um, outside of that, what do I do day to day? Uh, I got about 40 clients. So I work uh, in the online fitness industry. I work with vegans. I work with, uh, plant curious people. I work with non-vegans, but you know, mm-hmm. if somebody comes to me and they're not vegan, I might throw them tofu in one meal uh, and we'll see how they like it. And some people love it. So, um, and then I just moved to Tampa, Florida, uh, to, mm-hmm. to come to a better gym in my 40 nation. Um, one of the best gyms in the country. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm five weeks out and so I'm a little spacey right now, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really do appreciate that, dude. Um, uh, and first of all, I want to say, uh, I love what you do with the, uh, like tying activism and veganism together. Like you're really showcasing the message that you can do whatever you want on a vegan diet. Like a plant-based diet doesn't limit you. And I love that you're like you said you you're probably going to bring the the best package ever to an NPC show as a vegan which is legendary dude that's what what better activism can you do than that you know yeah i think so um the thing is for activism to work you have to be noticed you have to stand out now there's many ways to do that you can get a loudspeaker you can get TVs you can go up and talk to people me it may not look it but i'm i'm not a super extroverted person i'm actually much more comfortable being an introvert being in my home space i don't i would chill in this house if i didn't have to go to the gym it almost (laughs) scares me how much i would stay home so what do i do i try and wear pink i try and wear vegan shirts i got my clean hair i got the beard Mm -hmm. my body build i stick out like a sore thumb no matter where i go Mm -hmm. even at my gym where there are much much bigger and better competitors than me nobody's got a green mohawk I'm the only one standing out like that. And so mm-hmm. it's not that I want all this attention. At, t- at times, it's it's draining. It's like mm-hmm. I can't even go to the store without being stopped or asked a question. Mm-hmm. But every time that happens, is a chance to make a difference and to stand up for mm-hmm. something that I believe in, which is ultimately I'm not vegan for my health. 
I would say I'm somewhat vegan for the environment, but I, I, I'm ultimately, at the end of the day, vegan because I think it's wrong to just kill animals because you enjoy eating a certain food. I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's wrong. And I want to do everything I can with my time on this earth, whether that's a week, a day, a month, a couple decades, mm-hmm. to, to make some changes. And I feel like I have. I feel like mm-hmm. I am, in a sense, a bridge to where we are and where I would like us to go. And, um, you know, I'm not going to convert everybody to be vegan in my lifetime. That's not going to happen. I don't have those kind of unrealistic expectations, but if I can change perceptions, even in my own family, I used to have extended family cousins and stuff that would kind of joke or say, Oh, you'll grow out of it or whatever. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they don't do that anymore. They're proud of me. They're excited to see, what I've done with this. And so like I've changed their perceptions on what a vegan is. When they think of vegan, they think of me. And so like I always have the shirts. So I always have to hold myself accountable. I can't I can't yell at somebody because they cut me off in traffic. I can't um muscle my way in between the people to get to the front of a line or something. Like I am a billboard for what I believe in and so I have to hold myself accountable at all times. It's exhausting at times, but there's nothing mm-hmm. I'd rather do. I am living my life in my eyes to the fullest every single day. And yeah. if I died tonight, I'll be like, at least I did something good today. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what the question was, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was amazing, man. That's uh, that's exactly how I see it too. And I think that's, um, that's really great. I mean, it's about like trying to make the world better, you know, the way that we can and, and what we really believe in. Obviously we have limited resources and, uh, you know, obviously you love lifting and uh, you're a huge advocate for, um, you know, animal rights and everything. Tying that all together, it's what you do, man. It's like what you uh, – it's the best form of activism for for you. And honestly, like I, that's what I get behind too. And uh, I think that's awesome. I can definitely relate there too, like, you know, changing families' points of view over time. Like obviously like a lot of us grew up – most of us grew up in a family that eats like omnivorous or whatever. Slowly over time, they're like, oh, it's a fad. It's a fad. You'll grow out of it. You'll grow out of it. Then for you, it's been like 17 years, right? I mean, after all this time, eventually they're like, oh, no, it's not a fad. This this dude, he, he embodies that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I, I try to like, I'm always trying to stay open-minded and realize mm-hmm. everybody's on their own journey. Because in my heart, I want to just go smack somebody upside the head and be like, why are you eating this hamburger? That's fucking wrong. Yeah. Like, you, ju- yeah. you just killed a cow. Like would you actually walk up there and kill the cow yourself? No, you wouldn't. So why, why is this okay? And like the angry side is there, but mm. I have to, I have to take a breath. I have to give myself a hug. I have to think, Hey man, one day I wasn't vegan. I wasn't even vegetarian mm-hmm. at one point in time. And so I can't just go up and smack my 10 year old self and be like, what the fuck are you thinking, man? Like we're going to get a lot more people to our, to our cause. I think if we, preach in a way that we are living the life that mm-hmm. that we want to want to show like lead through example lead through kindness and and we're going to draw in a lot more people that way the people that don't respond to that they're probably not going to respond to anything mm-hmm. and um i guess what this gets me to is if you're listening to this and you're not vegan i don't hate you i just i, I hope that you will do the hard thing it's, it's hard to do this in all aspects of life veganism or not to mm-hmm. sit there and really judge yourself. Judge. What do I need? Like, that's what bodybuilding is judging yourself. Uh, when I look in the mirror, 
y'all might think, oh, he thinks his arms look big. He thinks his legs look big. No, I'm like, shoot, I got a little more fat to lose here. I need mm-hmm. to twist my arm a little bit this more way to, to, to hit this pose right. I'm always critiquing, always judging, always trying to improve, and that's what makes me better. And so mm-hmm. do that in all aspects of your life, in your relationships, in your food choices, and how you speak to yourself. Getting really long-winded and all over the place here. But what I'm trying <laughs> to get back to is if you're not yet vegan, just start thinking about your choices. And if you are, like you're recently vegan, my girlfriend is, is one person that's recently vegan, and I forgot how much ridicule and how much you are choosing to be an outsider. You're choosing totally. to be an outsider. And when you first go vegan, I feel like that's when the most pushback's going to happen because people don't like mm-hmm. change. People don't like to see you change. When you change, when you level up in your life, all the people that didn't level up with you, they're going to be like, wait, no, 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 come back down here. Come back where it's comfortable. We yep. don't like change. And um, so like my girlfriend's getting some pushback from her family and extended friends and stuff. Oh, you, you've only been vegan a month. Last month, you were like, it should spend more than a month now. But, like, they'll try and pull you back. And you yeah. got to, you know, if, if you're there, if, if somebody needs to talk, my DMs are open. Get, get to me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll talk to you. Um, but do what you think is right. Uh, I, I like to think in some ways, like, for our generation, veganism is the social movement that we needed. In the same way, mm-hmm. in the United States in the 60s, the, the civil rights movement was the movement that we needed. And mm-hmm. um, even more recently, like gay marriage was the movement that we needed. And, and we're, mm-hmm. as, we're, as we're starting to be the minority speaking up, or maybe, maybe the silent majority, maybe, maybe, maybe even that, but like speak up. That's what you can do. And uh, all your heart if, 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 if something doesn't feel right just because everybody else does it doesn't mean you have to keep doing it totally man yeah I, I definitely agree with you there i feel like we're on the uh the right side of history um going vegan uh especially um in terms of looking at like the like zooming out and looking at the big picture here um for the sake of the environment that's a really really big thing right now um i'm also vegan mainly for the animals and uh, always have been but you know, that's a really big thing we're, we're like, as a population starting to look at. And I think more people are like, you know, incorporating more vegan, you know, foods like plant-based foods, I should say. And, um, that's great as a whole, it makes a difference, but, uh, morally it's like, you know, when you really get into this, you can't just be like, you're just, you can't be like, Oh, I'm just gonna eat a little bit. I'm gonna do meatless Mondays. You know, morally, when you really get behind, you're like, no, nah, I got to cut all this shit out, dude. Like I need to go fully vegan. Cause that's gets your morals, you know, like you don't want to eat animals and stuff. And that's the, um, that's the hardest part. Like you said, the beginning is very much the hardest part because you become, you willingly become a social outcast to an extent. Uh, so I think that was a really good point you touched on, man. Um, and just to, I really want to dial it back for a second and talk about your, your personal story. So when did you go vegan? I know it was a while ago. And, um, what was your experience at the beginning? Like what was, uh, what was the big catalyst there? So for me, it was a, it was a little bit of a journey. I was uh, 10 years old. And my best friend would always come hang out with me after school. Her mom mm-hmm. would actually use a babysit us. And um, so this is like what, fifth grade, 10 years old. And we'd get like McDonald's. And one day she just looked at me and she's like, I'm not going to eat my hamburger. And you shouldn't eat yours. And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, well, you killed a cow to get it. And I was like, everybody else does. But something about that conversation got me thinking. At 10 years yeah. old. Yeah. Hmm. 
I have power. I have power, and I'm using my power to let somebody else kill an animal for me. I'm mm-hmm. saying, Mom, go tell the guy at McDonald's, tell the guy who runs the farm that we want to kill a cow. I'm like, you know what? I'm already a social outcast. I had weird hair. I had buck teeth. Um, mm-hmm. I was bullied relentlessly. Maybe I, I could identify with the animals a little bit, what it felt like to be mistreated. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to give them, I didn't want to give the bullies too much extra like ammo. So I was like, well, I'm not vegetarian. I just, I, I only eat turkey and I only eat fish. And about a month later, I sat down to eat fish and I was like, oh, I'm going to be like a Native American. I'm going to be like, thank you, fish. Let me, let me thank you before I eat you. And I just <laughs> felt so wrong. It felt so mm-hmm. wrong. I was like, why don't I just thank this fish by not eating it? And, mm-hmm. um, Thanksgiving rolled around. I had been vegetarian for a few months. There's turkey on the table. And I said, not today. And I said, this is it. You know, turkey mm-hmm. is just like anything else. If I'm, if I'm not going to kill this, why would I kill that? Mm-hmm. And then I thought I was good. I thought I was great. I thought I was doing everything that I should be doing as a good person and um, living my best life. And then I realized three years later while reading a PETA magazine in eighth grade on the way to middle school that vegetarian is not enough and mm-hmm. like well that really challenges me i thought i was doing the right thing what do you mean vegetarian's not enough and i read the article and i realized okay well we're gonna take this cow we're gonna artificially inseminate it aka rape it we're gonna wait mm-hmm. until it has this baby and we're not gonna let it play with its baby we're gonna yank its baby away and we're gonna do that 10 or 12 times and then once this cow stops making milk we're gonna just cut its head off and turn it into in a hamburger and I was like, shit. Okay. Well, vegan sounds hard. Granted, I was 13, and mm-hmm. this was almost 18 years ago, so there weren't options like there are now. But I was like, yep. I'll try it for a week. My week became 17 years. So, wow. Um, I mean, yeah, if you never, if you don't think you can do it, just try it. Just try cold turkey mm-hmm. for a week. See what happens. That's what happened to me. I, I mean, I messed up on the second day. I had peanut M&Ms, but I, yeah. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, well, can't have those. Boom. All right. Just yeah. back to it. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's not that hard. If, if a 13-year-old yeah. can do it almost 20 years ago, <laughs> you can do it now. There's so many options, so many awesome oh my options God. out there now. My, yeah. like. I know, like, socially my girlfriend's going through it, but she can mm-hmm. go to any store. She can go to any place and get food. And, like, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's, especially if you connect with your reason why. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like trying to tell, and this might sound messed up, but it's kind of like just trying to tell, like, a pedophile, like, it's not that hard to not rape kids. Just don't do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't know. That's a little out there. But, like, when people are like, <laughs> well, you know, vegan's hard. And I'm like... No, it's just doing the right thing, man. It's just doing the right yeah. thing. Like, they're like, well, what would you do if you didn't have food for a day? It's like, I probably just wouldn't eat. I mean, even as a body, yeah, I probably yeah. just wouldn't eat. I'd rather, I'd rather not eat than go kill an animal. Hundred percent. If my if my life depended on it, like some I am legend type shit, and like we're in like this mm-hmm. post apocalyptic world, then okay, yeah, maybe. But we ain't there. Probably yeah, for sure. Walmart, Grocery stores are open almost 24-7. You can find food. <laughs> like, you're, you're living in a first-world country. You got an iPhone. Don't give me this, like, nah, uh, I can't figure it out. Like, 
We've Ooh. all heard this argument, man. The the desert island uh, scenario. All of us vegans have always heard this at some point in real life or online. If you've been vegan long enough, you've had somebody ask you, well, what if uh, you're on a desert island? Or like, what if it's a post-apocalyptic scenario? It's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, but we could just go to the grocery store now and go to like a vegan section. They literally have vegan sections. I want to do the what if. Like, hey, here's a knife. Let's go to a slaughterhouse. And what if? Would you, would you slit this animal's throat? Most people wouldn't. Yeah, most, most people, people wouldn't. wouldn't. Yeah. And because one thing fun. that I want to... Yeah, for sure. One thing that I wanted to point out that you you kind of mentioned is that um, it was Thanksgiving for you that really really hit uh, hit home with the turkey, and I think that uh, something about seeing like that almost like a fuller version of the the animal that people are eating <clears throat> in more of its entirety, like that honestly, like the carcass. That's what it is. Um, that kind of wakes people up a little bit sometimes, like a pig roast. Even my friends who are like omnivores are like, no, nah, I can't do that. And it's like, think about it, man. Like if you can't see a full pig roast like you know roast on this fire full pig then what makes it okay to uh eat any pork in general things like that you know it's this disconnect so that was a really good point that i'm glad you brought up oh thank you um yeah uh i mean actually like my first i would say my first foray into the like animal consciousness was mm-hmm. when i was four and my dad took me fishing And we caught the fish and they were on a string, like through Mm -hmm. the gills, kind of weird and Mm -hmm. left them there overnight. And the next morning he's like, you want to eat some fish? I'm like, yeah. I was like, all right, come Mm -hmm. help me. He pulled them out of the water. They're flopping around on the dock. And I'm like, dad, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're killing the fish. You're killing Mm -hmm. the fish. And he's like, where do you think we get fish from? And I was like, no, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with this. He ended up throwing them back in the water. I probably had a hamburger later that day and didn't fucking know because of the disconnect. But at four, at four, I was like, this is wrong. And then my dad also took me hunting when I was like nine. And Mm -hmm. there were squirrels that we were supposed to hunt. And I remember at like nine years old thinking, all right, I don't want to disappoint my dad. But I also really don't want to kill a squirrel. So I'll find mm-hmm. this middle ground. I'll, I won't disappoint my dad because I will be, I'll still be manly enough to go hunt, but mm-hmm. I'll just be bad at hunting. I'll shoot the ground instead of the squirrel. That way the squirrel gets away. I still have my dad's pride a little bit. <laughs> but even at nine, I was like, this is fucking wrong, man. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to speak up, but it's wrong. Yep. And I don't know. I don't know if other people feel the same way or not. Sometimes I wonder. Um, yeah. I think it's it's easier when it's out of sight, out of mind. But you go put a gun in most people's hands, they're not going to want to. And this is coming <laughs> from somebody that who, who I've worked in law enforcement. I'm very good at shooting now. Like, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't boast about my qualities, but I'm pretty good at shooting. Mm-hmm. And would I kill somebody if I had to save my own life? Yes. Yes. That, no questions asked. I would. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how I was trained. And... I wouldn't want that though. Even if they, even if I had every right, you know, I'm in Florida. Like this is like the wild west out here. Like even if I had every right, <laughs> even if it was, you know, a crackhead kicking in my door, even if it was somebody trying mm-hmm. to hurt a family member that I love, and I had every right to shoot and kill them, I, I, I don't know if I want to deal with that weighing on me the rest of my life. I would, you know, I'm not going to let my mom die if somebody's attacking her. But trying to trying to live with that the rest of your life. And so yeah. why, why would I do that for a meal? Mm. So, 
Yeah, those are those are great points. I'm seeing a lot of parallels too from my history where I also dealt with bullying a lot, and um, I actually have the same exact fish story, man. Uh, to a, to a degree, I remember the first time I, I kind of realized that like you know there was something there was something off with my uh, my whole like me eating animals and also like feeling conflicted about it. Um, I went fishing. I remember tearing up the worms to put them on the hook. Actually, like really, it really messed with me. I still remember it to this day. I remember catching a fish, having it go through the gills, the hook, and then being like, this feels completely barbaric. And I never forgot that. I was probably seven years old. And it took me a while to eventually come back because like you said, you go home, you probably end up eating like a hamburger. There's this disconnect. But then like years down the line, it something that kind of like comes back and reminds you and you're like, damn, like I never forgot about that. There's something there. And I feel like a lot of people have this story, you know, and they just, uh, they just let it, they just let it kind of sink down. And then, you know, also like, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but also what you talked about with hunting, I, I, there's like this, this idea that like, if you're a man, you know, you got to go out and hunt and it's like, first of all, why, like you, why is that manly? That's a whole conversation about meat and masculinity, uh, masculinity there, which is a whole other topic, man. And that'd be interesting to get into. I'd like to hear your opinions on that. Um, well, first, I feel like I just got smacked in the face. I forgot about the worms, man. That's the fucking worst uh, part. Yep. Like, like yeah. putting this live animal on a metal hook, like, oh, that's like a horror movie. Like, I, I don't even want to think yeah. about it. But I, I think I had repressed that until you mentioned it. Yeah, Dude, meat yep. and masculinity. Um, you know, and I think, like, if I was going to define a strong man, it, it would be, like, if I was trying to tell my son this is what I want you to grow up to be. Mm-hmm. Be standing, like stand up for for what's right. Take care of those around you. Be the change you want to see in the world. Um, help those that are that are beneath you or below you, or that 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 can't help themselves. Like be mm-hmm. a a pillar in your community. Build every you know. Raise everybody else up. Provide mm-hmm. positivity. Inspire. Encourage. Nowhere in there. Do I think, okay, let's get a knife or a gun and go kill a defenseless animal to show how manly we are? Because we think mm-hmm. about that. Like, well, then we can attack these defenseless animals. We could attack women. We could attack children. We're just a predator at that point. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. make you manly. It just makes you an asshole, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like, I would think being the man would be doing the harder things, doing the right things, making the world a better place, inflicting less pain, less suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we think about horrible people, we think about Hitler, right? Well, there are Jews that became vegan because they were in the same slaughter cars that we used to put cows in. And when the Jews realized, holy shit, it's wrong for Hitler to do this to us, but I was doing this to a, to a cow last week. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just shouldn't kill things for no reason. So that's yeah. my spiel on yeah. meat and masculinity. I mean, I couldn't agree think, more there. I think we're just like a product of our environment. You know, it sounds like both of our fathers were fishermen and they loved that probably because their fathers were. Like, this is how mm-hmm. we got to break chains. I mean, we go back far enough, our fathers probably owned slaves. And like, that's mm-hmm. not okay either. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we gotta we gotta try and stand up and do what's right, regardless of what we were taught. And right now, like I feel like money, 
is an easy source to find out why you do what you do and mm. why is meat so heavily um, advertised and shoved in our face and like if you look at if you look at like u.s advertisements like double meat lovers triple meat lovers like meat in the pizza crust like there's meat there's meat in everything meat in every meal and when you think about it like why is there so much meat when other countries aren't like romanticizing meat the way we are and then you learn how our government works and you learn that there are corporations that can lobby the government people that run for-profit corporations sending money to the u.s government yep to get tax subsidies meat should be a lot more expensive than it is but it's mm -hmm. subsidized um aka the government gives these meat place these meat plants gives them money mm -hmm. just to make more meat they don't and even dairy. Have to sell it and dairy and, and it's like well then that's why i thought i have to have milk that's why i thought i had to have mm -hmm. meat at every meal because somebody's making money off it. Like all you people that yep. are like, oh, I gotta have meat, gotta have meat. Somebody's making money off you. And so mm -hmm. just think about that. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know I'm, if I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Dude, not. this is all really this is all really good stuff. They're all really good points, so I, I love it. Um yeah, I, 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 right off the bat, I'm thinking about how, like, I think it was, you, you, I think we're, we're around the same age. You're 31, I'm 32. Uh, so growing up in school, like, we both remember, I'm sure, the food pyramid. They're like, oh, you got to have, like, what, like six servings of dairy a day. And then you go back <laughs> and you think about it now, and you're like, the only reason they ever said that is because, yeah, like, you know, like the dairy lobbyists had a huge hand in that food pyramid design. So that's pretty nutty, dude. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Think about it. If you're if you're a for profit corporation, corporation, what? What's the best way to make money? Well, if you can get in with the government and then supply all of the schools' foods and all mm -hmm. the dairy for all the schools in the United States, boom, that's money. But now, also too, you got these kindergartners, first graders, second graders, third graders, all learning how they need to have milk. At every meal mm -hmm. or dairy with every food. And now you've got customers for life. Oh, so yeah. It's all back to the money. It's like mm -hmm. they indoctrinate the whole nation. And like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't even, I'm happy to speak about it. But I'm trying to think about it. It's <laughs> thickening. It's thickening that like people yeah. only care about money at the end of the day uh, to an extent. Uh, it's, Crazy. Well, I, yeah, I know it's really heavy. I, I'm glad you mentioned it though, because like, you know, as vegans, we think about this stuff all the time. But I'm thinking about when I first went vegan, when I first uh, kind of got introduced to vegetarianism, as, uh, vegetarianism and all that. Um, I didn't know about any of that stuff, and I think a lot of people don't realize this at all. And then, uh, you know, we think about it all the time, so it's kind of common sense. But somebody could be listening to this right now, and they'll be like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" And then it'll get them into like looking up this stuff themselves and be like, yeah. damn, that's kind of crazy how it all comes back to money. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. It sounds like two crazy things talking. So let me give you something <laughs> else that might, might push you here. I went to the university of Florida. That's where I graduated from school. Um, and I took an agriculture class and in this agriculture class, we, we learned about the sugar tax in the United States. So this has nothing to do with veganism. A little sidebar. So many, many, many years ago, um, 
they started making sugarcane in Florida and they realized like, Hey, we can go lobby the government and put a sugar tax on the rest of the world. So we're going to, we're going to basically prevent the United States from importing sugar. And that's great. The sugar people here make tons of money. Well, what happened? Well, they weren't able to keep up with demand. Mm. But the price on this sugar tax was so great on the rest of the world that we came up with another device, high fructose corn syrup, mm. because it tastes similar to sugar, and we can put it in our foods like sugar, and it doesn't have to be imported. We can make it here with the corn. So that's why if you go to Spain, you go to Mexico, you go to these other countries, you're not going to find high fructose corn syrup in their, in their, uh, in their soda. It's only in the United States. And it's so clearly money-driven that back before it was changed, it, it used to be called the NAFTA agreement, the North American Free Trade Agreement. We violated this agreement repeatedly with Mexico because they wanted to have free trade with sugar because we agreed to it. But the sugar lobbyists in Florida even got like Bill Clinton in trouble with Mexico. Like, even even that recently were fighting so hard to keep from importing sugar so that we could still make high fructose corn syrup here. And so if you think that this is just two crazy vegans talking about the dairy industry because we hate it, cool. Well, go look this up on sugar. When that blows your mind that the only reason we have high fructose corn syrup in the United States is because of our sugar taxes that don't even make sense anymore. But the think about it. It probably costs you and I two or three cents a year. I don't know, maybe a dollar a year for this sugar tax to be in it, enacted. I mean, you got, I don't, I don't know, about 300 million Americans. So somebody's making $300 million a year off of this. They might have to pay 10 million a year, 20 million a year to the government to pay them off. But they're getting all that money. You and I aren't going to go fight over $3 or $2 or $1 that, that, that comes out of our quality of life. So mm -hmm. if somebody's has found a way to capitalize on taking a little bit from everybody, so that they're now rich. And it's it's no different with the meat industry or the dairy industry. Follow the money. If you don't believe me, you can look all of this up. It's all easily mm -hmm. available on Google. So Good old Google. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always say, uh, you know, I'm always like a little skeptical about conspiracy theories, but as soon as money's behind it, I'm like, eh, maybe. Maybe there's something there. <laughs> if, um, yeah. I want to keep. Uh, I, I want definitely want to touch on uh, your your whole experience with bodybuilding and everything, man. Um, kind of like what. So I'm assuming you're kind of like me. Like you kind of got into lifting because you're sick of being like uh, skinny, sick of being like bullied. Uh, that's kind of how I feel like this is going. Is that is that right? Sort of. Um, so I I was always like trying to perform in sports, mm -hmm. uh, whether that was like running or soccer or um i guess really those were like the two main ones and then then high school hit i wrestled and i really found a good community there mm. and i performed well and i learned how to train some of those practices were just grueling um mm -hmm. but then after the season ended they said hey well we're going to do off-season conditioning and do weightlifting come with us i was like oh okay i realized i'm super fucking weak i couldn't even bench 100 <laughs> pounds like Week. I didn't know how genetics mm. for this shit. But after that off-season conditioning, I said, I'm done wrestling. I just want to lift weights. I just want to mm -hmm. lift weights. I want to grow. I want to get so big and so strong that nobody ever fucks with me. And that's the route that I took. And then I discovered, mm -hmm. like, at, at first, I just wanted to be big and strong, like, really strong, like, powerlifting more or less. 
Sure. I didn't really care how I looked as long as I was getting bigger and stronger. And then I was like, bodybuilding is kind of cool. Yeah. What these guys do is kind of cool. So around like probably 16 or so, I, I gravitated more towards bodybuilding. So that's a little bit crazy to say. It's almost half my life. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that for me, it, it gave me structure. It gave me discipline. It gave me work ethic. It gave, gave me a plan. And once you apply yourself to bodybuilding, you can take those lessons and apply it anywhere else. I think that's why I was so successful in school, why mm -hmm. I was successful in my various careers. I, I got into law enforcement. I worked in finance. And now for a year, I've been full-time self-employed, working with up to like 35 clients. And I have multiple sponsors. Like, I think it's from the lessons I learned getting into bodybuilding about how to like mm -hmm. if, if you want to be a successful bodybuilder you have to have a structured lifestyle you have yep. to do everything with intent like you don't just you don't happen to look like this on accident you don't pick up a dumbbell and just accidentally get like you got to track your food you got to try tracking tracking uh analyzing evolving growing so mm -hmm. that was yeah I, I was about 15 and and i do think I wanted to prove something. And I guess I still want to prove something. I want to prove that vegans can hang. Nobody's done it. Nobody's, nobody has gotten to the status in the United States of an IFBB pro in men's open mm -hmm. bodybuilding as a vegan. I want to prove it. I, I want to be the first guy to run that four-minute mile. I don't think I'm going to be the fastest runner ever. But once that guy broke the four-minute mile, everybody else did the next year. Like, they just totally. destroyed it. So if I can just, like, say, hey, it can be done – and open that door. That's all I want to do. Is open the door and then let somebody better take the reins from there. Um, I, I'm really educating myself on all levels. I am at the best gym in the nation. I work with one of the best mm -hmm. posing coaches in the world, one of the best prep coaches in the world, one of the best in-person trainers in the world. And I'm doing a lot of stuff that maybe other vegans wouldn't do. They're learning from people that mm -hmm. aren't vegan, but I'm, I'm learning at the highest level. And so I want to be able to give that back. Because mm -hmm. when you're a vegan and you want to be a competitive bodybuilder at high levels, especially in the NPC, who do you go to for a coach? There are none. There aren't there there aren't any coaches right now that can walk you from A to Z as a vegan. My my prep coach does everything except for the diet. He has to give me macros because he doesn't know what foods to give me. Luckily I've been vegan mm -hmm. so long and I've been studying and experimenting that I can, I can write diets really well now for myself mm -hmm. and for my clients. Not many other people can do that. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've had to fix a lot of diets. I got other big vegans coming in with five or 6,000 calories a day with all sorts of digestion issues. Cause they don't know how to eat like a bodybuilder. It's mm -hmm. also vegan. It's, I wouldn't say it's like hard, but it's just, it's just not knowledge that is readily available. I've had mm -hmm. to learn a lot of this on my own. So I feel like that is my gift to the sport is I'll be a much better coach than I am a competitor. And, and that's, that's what makes me happier too. I'd rather, I'd rather see my client take first than myself. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I give to my clients. I really, really give to them. And I want to, I want to change the sport. I want to bring more vegans into the sport of bodybuilding. And I want to mm -hmm. take more bodybuilders and convince them to go vegan. The guy I was talking with today, like he, he looked great. I would be curious to see what his blood work is like, what his internal health mm -hmm. is like, and if we could make it better on a plant-based diet. 
A lot of bodybuilders have been dying recently. You know, there is Mm -hmm. gear use in this sport, but also being 250, 260, 270, up to almost 300 pounds, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. I I don't bodybuild for health. I know that there are inherent risks to what I do. But from an ethical standpoint, I'm always vegan first. But from a love of the sport side, for loving bodybuilding and loving my fellow competitors, Mm-hmm. I'd like to I'd like to get them more on the plant based side because I think it'll keep them alive longer. Yeah, yeah, it'll help uh, their LDL cholesterol levels at the very least, uh, which is very very important when you get that heavy. You know, uh, minimize yeah. that atherosclerosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I kind of say it like, you know, you can you can you can do some things. <laughs> you just can't do all the things. Like mm-hmm. if you wanna if you wanna use drugs, go for it. If you if you wanna smoke, go for it. If you wanna eat meat, go for it. But you do all three, you're you're asking for it. You're playing you're playing Russian roulette with a pretty fully loaded gun. So Which is a, a um, lot of Americans. A lot a lot of Americans and, and a lot of bodybuilders too. So um Yeah, I th- it, but you know, I get them. I get them. They're like, dude, I, nobody's done it before. Why would I do it? Mm-hmm. I get it. Like at the highest level. Nobody's won an Olympia vegan. Yeah. So why 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 would they take that risk on themselves? So I got to get some top performing people to either convert, or I got to get some people that are vegan up at the top performing level. One of the two bridge that gap and mm-hmm. show that it can be done and that it's that it's better. So. Yeah. What about um? Wasn't uh? I don't know if he still is, but wasn't Barney Duplessis vegan? I'm not familiar with uh, who that is. Um, the, that dude's massive. Uh, I think he. I think he. Reti- he might have retired and then went. Oh man, I think he was. I, I know Bill Pearl, Pearl was vegetarian at least. I think Barney mm-hmm. Duplessis was vegetarian and then went vegan. And he. That dude is massive still. Um, he was competing, and I. I don't like follow bodybuilding super closely, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to send you him. Uh, that dude's. That dude's okay. nuts. Um, but uh, I, I feel like that was kind of a good segue there into uh, kind of like veganism and performance. Um, you kind of already mentioned about how like there's, you know, no one really at a really high level, like, you know, Olympia level especially, who is uh, vegan. Um, and I think you kind of already touched on it a little bit. There's a very much like a stigma against plant-based diets and uh, muscle building. And obviously, like as vegans, we're like what, like t- tops 2% in the whole world maybe of the population. Uh, I'd say like I think it's like – in the one percents though. Um, but, uh, curious to hear what your perspective is, um, based on clients you coached, uh, based on yourself on, um, plant-based diets and performance for hypertrophy and strength. I'd like to say, you know, I'm a, a select study of one. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty strong. I, I've been pretty athletic in different realms. I, I like in my own personal feats, just to give, some backstory in case people don't know back yeah. when I used to like run and do a little bit more like CrossFit style training for when I was in the police Academy, I could run a mile and a half in nine minutes. So it's a six minute mile for a mile and a half. I mean, that's, that's pretty, yeah, that's, that's great. pretty good for like 185 pound individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I've squatted 585 for three reps and I'm not even like a power lifter. I was just like to try mm-hmm. it. I've benched 365 for nine. Uh, like, and I'm, I don't really bench anymore either. Like, so I've I've hit some pretty big, like impressive, I would say, feats of strength. 
Mm-hmm. I'm also walking around right now pretty damn lean at like 227, off season mm-hmm. sitting mid 250s. Not a small guy. Um, so, yeah, and, and I'm still like a baby for bodybuilding. It took me a while to hire a good coach. I, I floundered a lot. Like if you're, if you're trying to be good at this sport, you need a good coach. There's mm-hmm. just nobody at the top levels of bodybuilding without a good coach. So I'm still like, even though I've done it half my life, I, a lot of it was just me floundering around in the dark trying to figure it out because I was told by everybody at every which way, you can't do this, this won't work, this won't work, that won't work. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'll try this, I'll try that, I'll, I'll experiment. As far as clients go, I've had people drop 30, 40 pounds from the time that they started with me and they switched to a plant-based diet and get stronger along the way. Uh, like, these are mm-hmm. like football players. Um, I have seen blood work come back better after switching to a plant-based diet, which is like huge because like I care about my clients. Like I don't, I don't want you to mm-hmm. be sick or unhealthy or unwell. Um, I want you healthy inside and, and healthy on the outside. Um, and I've had some, some strong-ass people be, be vegan too and look good and compete vegan as well. Um, Aurora, mm-hmm. she's she's an all-vegan, all-natural competitor. Um, she made it to the Amateur Olympia. Like she's, she's incredible. Wow. Um, and she's been vegan for a long time. So um, I don't think in any real realm that being plant-based holds you back in sports. I mean, we got people in the NFL. In the NFL, like, okay, the NFL is different than bodybuilding. Like, in bodybuilding, I don't make my money from competing. Even if I was an Olympian, I wouldn't make my money from competing. It'd still be through other business ventures. But the NFL, that is your job. You mm-hmm. do nothing that compromises your income. So if somebody's plant-based, it's not a fad. It's mm-hmm. not anything. It's, it's because, and if it, it, honestly, I don't think all these guys, like, love the animals. They want to be better. And so if they're doing it at the NFL – speaks for itself um yeah but yeah I, I don't i don't think that it holds people back in bodybuilding i just think there's no knowledge there now, the guy today even asked me oh so i bet you do a lot of lentils because that's like commonly thought of as a vegan source of protein and that's cool mm-hmm. you're you, you want to be whole foods plant-based 150 pound soccer mom go for it have some lentils that's fine <laughs> you want to be 225 250 275 pounds of like jacked mm-hmm. muscle Lentils aren't going to work for you. Too much fiber. It's like you you could maybe have a few. Like I have one meal where I have a little bit of beans in it. But beans Mm -hmm. are not a a staple of my diet. Um, Sure. You know, I've had to learn what is a 275-pound non-vegan bodybuilder eat. And then Mm -hmm. I'd have to find ways to switch that over for the vegans. You know. Mm -hmm. So there's no book on how to do this a lot of it is trial and error and honestly everybody yeah. too is built differently i got a, a vegan client she was reversing out of a show getting up to almost she's like 100 pounds getting up to almost 3,000 calories a day and we were having her do quinoa because she really wanted it mm-hmm. it just didn't stick for her and potatoes mm-hmm. work well rice works well quinoa doesn't so for her no quinoa like yeah like you got to go with what you perform with and, and everybody's built a little bit different so yeah, while we're on the subject of uh, nutrition here, um, and I know we're kind of getting a little closer to when you have to go, um, I'd like to touch on that a little bit. I, I think it's really, really interesting. This is something that I haven't thought about too much because I handle pretty high levels of fiber pretty well. 
But that's a really good point, man. When you get to like 5,000, 6,000 calories, you have to be careful with your fiber intake, right? Because first of all, that is going to limit how much food you're going to be able to get down because it's really filling. But also it can cause some digestional uh, upset, right? Yeah, exactly. So the name of the game for bodybuilding, a lot of people think like, oh, you want to get bigger, just take a lot more drugs. Not really. I mean, the, the drugs allow you to recover from mm-hmm. the training. But the usual like ceiling for a lot of guys and, and some girls is how much food can you process? Mm-hmm. Because your your digestive system is just like anything else. It needs time to recover. It needs time to... to take care of itself so like how can i put six thousand calories in you without making you feel like you just had thanksgiving dinner so you can still go train that day and grow Mm -hmm. and so minimizing things that slow down digestion fiber fiber slows down digestion fat Mm -hmm. fat slows down digestion um certain vegetables broccoli broccoli there's not a single client i have that has broccoli in their meal plan it just doesn't digest well for, for like 99% of people. So I'm not going to play that game. Like, we'll try some. No, uh, we'll no tofu broccoli rice? Nope. <laughs> nope. Maybe, maybe tofu with spinach or tofu with asparagus or mushrooms. Like, and, and those are trial and error. We got to fit, like, everybody will start with something, but they're probably not going to finish it. Uh, I'm writing a yeah. client's plan today right now. Like, we have some tofu with some veggies with this meal, and I'm going to see how that works for her. Um, but yeah, like even the fats, like you got to be careful, like what food sources you pick because we can only have so much fat in your diet. If you're trying to get mm-hmm. 6,000 calories down a day, you might be able to go to like 80, maybe 100 grams of fat. But the rest of that's carbs. I got to find a way to get you, you know, almost 1,000 grams of carbs, 1,000 mm-hmm. grams of carbs. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and then even things like you got to worry about like inflammation. So Mm-hmm. For most people, on my plans, it's going to be gluten-free stuff. It's going to be based on rice, potatoes, rice noodles, rice cakes, cream of rice, 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 um, <laughs> things like that, just because it digests so well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of nutrition in a nutshell. And you notice I didn't even talk about protein. because Yeah, protein, when you're getting that many not, calories, it's just, yeah, it's no issue. It's not that hard to get um i mean everybody's gonna ask what's your protein but like it's funny because like you can figure that out really easily the, the harder part is how are you gonna get a thousand carbs in <laughs> you know if you're trying mm. to be a big bodybuilder but yeah. um just because somebody's gonna ask where did where does he get his protein um i've had this diet laid out for quite a while six meals a day um one meal actually two meals with tvp it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Uh, I just throw it in the microwave with some garlic, pepper, salt, throwing some veggies. Depending upon where I'm at, I can add more food to it. I don't get to add more food right now. I'm on <laughs> bare minimum food. Um, I'll do seitan for one meal a day, um, tofu for one meal a day, and then two meals a day usually with uh, pea protein isolate from True Nutrition. And mm-hmm. one of those... One of those was cream of rice, but now it's just I mix up the protein in the water and I sprinkle a rice cake on top because that's all <laughs> I get. And then the other one is like a smoothie bowl. So uh, that's how I do it, and that's how I build it out for most of my clients, something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. Protein's not that hard to get. People think it's hard. I, 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 could, I could get 300-plus grams of protein a day for the last four years. Like, 
I haven't missed it once. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, kind of curious, man. After this competition, what's uh, what's the the biggest thing you're craving here? Do you have any plans for so, like a big meal or anything? I had a mindset shift uh-huh. like a week and a half ago. I was getting pretty beat up physically. I mean, there's still a lot of cardio, not a lot of food. I'm still training my yeah. ass off. I've still set some PRs, which is nuts. That's um, nuts. But I, all I was doing, I, I got like my whiteboard up on the wall. It was like 40 days out, 39 days out. And I'm thinking, like, I can't wait to be done. I can't wait to be able to not have to wake up tomorrow when my legs are still sore from leg day and do cardio. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to have some pizza because pizza is my thing. Pizza is what I'm getting after my show, pizza. Oh, yeah. But I'm not thinking about that anymore. I don't, I don't want to be – I don't want to live in a world where I am wishing away my days. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather be in a world where I'm taking control of each day. I am making the best of each day. And it's not, oh, man, I got 39 days until my show, 39 days that I have to suffer. It's 39 days to be a better bodybuilder. 39 days to go kick somebody else's ass. 39 days to make myself a better person. 39 days to do everything possible from when I wake up until when I go to bed to put myself in a better place. And so that's the mindset I'm locked in right now. And I am I refuse to give that up. I found it and I'm holding on to it. And it doesn't matter how hard the days get. Some of the days got pretty hard. Yep. But it, it, it was nice because I found this mindset. And then the next, like, two days later, my coach said, okay, we're up in the cardio and we're dropping 100 carbs on both your days. Get ready to work. <laughs> and I'm like, Let's bring it. it. Let's fucking do it. It's going to make me a better bodybuilder and I'm going to beat some people. So I'm going to put veganism on the map. Let's go. Let's go. Fuck Let's yeah, dude. It. I love that. So, I'm I'm really excited to see you uh to see you uh bring the whole package to the stage, man. You're gonna you're gonna be a great example, and uh, that's really motivational for me to hear too. Uh, so I appreciate your perspective there, dude. That's very refreshing because I'm so used to everyone being like, you know, obviously it starts to get pretty brutal. So I'm very used to people being like, oh, you know, I just can't wait. And that's a very refreshing uh, perspective to have when you're this close to a show. Um, I know it's uh, we're closing in now, so I want to. Uh, I want to wrap this up, man. Um, I was just thinking, uh, you want to uh, throw out any last bits of advice, anything you feel like we didn't really get to touch on, any kind of closing statement, and then maybe uh, we'll touch on like where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. Um, you're the master of your own life. And I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to everybody. You get to determine the life you want to live. Nobody holds you back. The only thing that holds you back is yourself. I don't care what your parents were. I don't care what your background was. I don't care what the world tells you. The only person that holds you back, the only person that doesn't believe in you is you. So once you can break that, once you can wake up and realize that, you can achieve anything. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. And you can do it with with a smile on your face. And you can enjoy every day because you woke up this morning and that is the gift. So take that. Use that. Go make your time on this earth before you're gone because it's quick. Make something out of it. Do what you want to do with your life. You want to dye your hair. You want to do anything crazy. Go do it. Make it happen. Um, if anybody is still listening at this point, doesn't think I'm completely fucking crazy. You can find <laughs> me on Instagram. I am at the bodybuilding vegan. Um, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Shoot me a DM. I pretty much get back to everybody. Um, and then if, if you don't have Instagram, I don't know what you're doing. Not really. I get it. It's, it's a social media thing. Social media is what you make it. But if you don't have Instagram, 
Um, you can you can reach me. There's a contact me form on my website. It's just thebodybuildingvegan.com. Hopefully, we can link both of these below. But um, yeah, totally. that's, that's about it for me, man. I'm I'm spacing out. I do got a meal waiting on me. I got some TVP. I'm gonna put it on top of some spinach and yes, dude. Have have a have the best night ever myself. And I wish the same to you. I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. I appreciate you reaching out to me. And making this happen and that that's what i want to say like you made this happen brother we wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for you so yeah I dude I, I love it i love you. connecting with uh with people like you uh you know a bunch of other motivational vegans and yo like straight up i am fired up from this conversation man i'm ready to go like do some cardio or something <laughs> i'm fired up <laughs> so i appreciate your uh yeah i appreciate all your input here yeah all right brother well uh just make the best of it and uh we should uh, we should do another one of these after the show. I'd like to talk after. Dude, definitely. Let's definitely do it. Um, good luck with everything, and thanks again, John, for coming on and sharing your words of wisdom, man. You're welcome, brother. Take care. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Eighth Exproach Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, it would mean a ton if you gave the podcast a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Player FM, Pinecast, or any other service you're listening to it on. And if you subscribe to the Athex Fitness YouTube channel, Instagram page, Twitter, and Facebook page. Feel free to check out the articles, training, and nutrition programs, coaching services, and merch on athixfitness.com. And if you like what I'm making, dropping a like, commenting, and sharing would mean a ton to me. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.